Are you ready? We ready. We ready. We ready for y'all. Welcome to episode three of Eleven, the podcast of a high school football coach in an inner city and his attempts to affect young men in a positive way while at the same time attempting to raise a family. What time is it? It's go time. It's game day. It's Friday, September 25th, 2020. Game day. Friday night lights. It's what we live for in the fall. Unfortunately, we're missing football now due to this coronavirus pandemic. Hang in there. We long for you Friday night, and we can't wait till we get you back. But in the meantime, we must continue. We must strive to make the most of each day, to make the most of the time that we have. Our time our walk, in our journey, our dash, the time between our birth and our death. How will we be remembered? I often pose that question to the young men in my charge. I would often ask them in team meetings, how will you be remembered? How will you be remembered by your coaches, by your teammates, by those that you share your time with? Our time, the way we use our time, the way we build habits, routine, for routine builds habit, and for habit creates who we are, our relationships, the people that we spend our time with, they affect us, they lead us to our thoughts and our decisions. This podcast chronicles my dash, my journey, in my walk as a high school football coach. I'd like to thank all of you that have reached out to me, my former players, friends, family, and those that I don't even know. I thank you for your comments. I thank you for your opinions, your critiques. Keep them coming. I take them seriously. I appreciate them very much. I'd like to reiterate that this podcast, for me, is about reminiscing, reflecting, analyzing. As I look back, to help me as I move forward. I've touched upon what history can do for us in learning from it. In this episode, I will talk about my first two years of coaching. But first, the dedication for this episode goes to my mom, Josephine. 
my mom. She raised my brother and sister and I as a single mom. She was one of nine children and grew up in a humble, poor home in the city of Newburgh, like many of us listening. She had an eighth grade education. She worked in a pocketbook factory for many years. My mom tried her best with the tools that she had to raise her children. I appreciate her efforts and I love her dearly. She left this earth in May of 2015. And this podcast is dedicated to you. I remember how much you loved Newburgh football and how proud you were of your son as the head football coach. I remember coming over to visit you and you have a scrapbook of all the articles from Goldback Football from those Friday nights. You lived right around the corner from Academy Field and you would talk about how you and your friends would sit outside and listen to the game on the radio and you would hear the crowd and you could even see the lights from your apartment. Thank you, Mom, for all you've done. God bless you. May you rest in peace. Break down! Today's team meeting. Facing adversity. When things are going great and we're moving the football up and down the field, it seems so effortless. And everybody's happy. Everybody's feeling good. And we're unified. We're together. When we face adversity, things change, as we all know. For in this life... We all face many adversities. We're facing many adversities right now. When we're facing these adversities, we find out about ourselves. We find out about others. For you coaches out there, you know very well what I'm talking about. But for anybody in a leadership position, you know very well what I'm talking about in terms of Questioning our decisions. When we're a leader of a program, whether it be a high school football program, a college football program, a professional football team, a Boy Scout troop, your seventh grade wiffle ball team, or even a CEO of a corporation, your leadership affects everyone in the organization. You must have a vision, you must have a plan, and you must have the ability to lead, to affect positive change in carrying out that plan. That is called execution. The bottom line in this world is we all look at results. This is a results-driven society. In football... It's simply about wins and losses to many people. And yes, 
Winning is critical. For winning validates our efforts. For winning creates pride in our community. For winning brings us all together. Winning puts gas in our tank. But when we're losing, we start to question. People start to point fingers. We face adversity. We face division. And we must analyze and figure out how to create change. How to develop a winning program. How to get back on track. In my first year of coaching, I realized that now I was wearing a different hat. I was not an assistant coach anymore where I felt carefree and didn't have a worry in the world in terms of coaching. It was so enjoyable. But yet I knew I was not the one accountable. I was not my one I was not the one with my name etched to the one loss record in the history books. In leadership, we must understand We must believe in ourselves first. We must know how we feel about things. We must know what our vision, what our our goals are. And we must be able to sell that and work tirelessly to get that point across and to get people to follow. For that's what leadership is. We must get people to follow in a way that's progressive and forward. I tell the story of the progressive processionary caterpillar. I tell that to my team every once in a while because leading is getting people to follow you, but you must be leading down the right path. You as the coach, you as the leader, you're driving the bus and everyone on the bus believes that you're going to take them to your destination. But if you're driving that bus in circles and you're lost and you're too proud to ask for directions and you don't have a GPS and you never reach that destination, people start to lose faith. We all need leadership. This story of the processionary caterpillar is a simple one. It's about the head caterpillar, the lead dog, the grand old head caterpillar who's walking in his, in his journey for food. And as the younger caterpillars start to join and follow, they just assume that the leader caterpillar knows what he's doing, knows where he's going. And it takes... Many, many strides as these caterpillars are moving along to realize the lead caterpillar is moving in a circle and continues in this circle forever. And this story illustrates, it illustrates that leadership is only as good as the followers, but the followers will not lead unless the leader is accountable and trustworthy and has a plan and know where he's going and assures his troops that things are going to be right.
I learned right from the beginning that people will look at you as a leader in different ways, in different times. I learned basically that a third of the people are going to like you no matter what, whether they're your friends or they, 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 they like the way you look or they, they like you because of your reputation or they like you because they feel you're doing your best, you're doing a good job. And I also know that a third of the people are going to dislike you, again, for whatever reason. And a lot of times it's justified. But the main thing that I learned is it's, it's the middle third. It's the 33 and a third percent of the people who are giving you a chance and they will decide whether you're worthy or not based on the way you treat people, the golden rule, treating others the way you want to be treated, based on your efforts, based on, yes, your one loss record as a coach. Because that is important. It's not the only thing of importance, but it is very important. My goal as the head football coach as I began my tenure was to bring back not only a winning tradition, for the Goldbacks had a winning tradition for many years, but also to bring back a pride, bring back a fellow Newberger, somebody who was raised in Newburgh and who understood Newburgh youngsters and understood Goldback pride. I felt it was important to teach our kids to recognize and take advantage of opportunity. For some of our young men, that was a difficult task. I wanted to teach the young men the will to prepare because preparation gives us a chance. It's not a guaranteed victory. It's not guaranteed that we're going to be successful. But if we have the will to prepare as hard as we can, it gives us a chance. I wanted to teach the young men that there's a pain involved in being disciplined and there's a pain that we feel when we regret a lost opportunity because we didn't give our best. Wins and losses, a lot of us, that's all we remember. For me, and this goes back to actually a comment that, that one of my former players uh, sent me this past week. He, he wanted me to talk about our wins and some of the big wins that we had and some of the undefeated seasons that we had, you know, in the program. And I responded to him that, yes, I'm very proud of those wins. But to me, it was much more than the wins, for we expected to win. For me as a coach, some of you may feel this, it was, it was basically not only an expectation to win, but it was a relief to win because the wins never felt quite as high as the terrible feeling of a loss. And some of you may not understand that, but if you're a coach, you do. And some of you may never understand that 
this game is more than a game. This football is something that, that drives us. It teaches us. If you're committed to giving your all, to giving your best effort, to putting in the time, the 48 minutes on Friday night, those nine Friday nights, that is what we prepare for, for those 365 days out of the year. And some people will never understand the anguish that we feel after a loss. Some people will never understand that it is more than just a game. In that first year, I felt very strongly about establishing what I called the goal-back principles, which were basically three things. I wanted the young men to understand what it meant to do the right thing. I wanted them to understand accountability. And I wanted them to understand that, you, that we all represent the program every single day of the year, no matter where we're at. I felt it was very important for young men and this was one of the most important things that I tried to teach the young men during my tenure. Get to school. Get your education. Sit up. Sit in front of the class. Pay attention. Be on time. Punctuality is a big, big thing for me and for our program. I believe punctuality teaches our young men, the importance of time and the respect that it means to be on time. In that first year, in setting my program, there are no excuses. We were not a good football team. Our record was two and seven. And they say that you are what your record is. We probably weren't as good as two and seven. We, 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 we were bad. I did a bad job as a coach. I did a bad job in leading. We inherited a new football staff. We were working together to try to figure things out. I inherited a new football team. And in that challenge, faced a lot of adversity. And I learned a lot about myself during that first year. Quite frankly, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed because I know what football means to our community. I know what football means to communities across America. Football brings communities together, brings pride. And winning on Friday nights brings tremendous pride to that town. We didn't have that our first year. As a matter of fact, we weren't much better our second year. We were a better football team our second year, but our record didn't show it. But in those first two years, for me as the head football coach, I was trying to figure out things in terms of touching young men and reaching the coaches. And there was a balancing act between 
my trust for them and their trust for me. And as we were not winning, adversity started to strike us. And people started to point fingers. And we started to learn about digging a hole for ourselves and how we're going to get out of it. One of the biggest challenges I faced in those first two years was something that I had witnessed and I had been a part of during my high school days as a goalback football player and a student athlete. Back in the 70s in Newburgh, we were faced with many social issues, and one of them was a racial divide. Yes, we're still talking about it today. And back in the 70s, I recall there were, there were many riots. There were race riots between whites and blacks in this inner city school. And I just recall, you know, as a, as a high school football player, you know, I never really understood it because I was a young man, grew up in the city of Newburgh. My friends were white and black and, and my teammates, it didn't, you know, it, it didn't matter their color. And we all got along, and uh, there were issues in the school. But on our football team, we were together. Now, maybe it was because we were winning, and we had a winning tradition. And, and we just didn't think of it that way. But w- what I experienced 20 years later was a different mentality. On our football team, my first two years, there was a definite racial divide. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with Newburgh City Schools in Newburgh, New York, and the Hudson Valley, it's a school district that's comprised of the city of Newburgh, the town of Newburgh, and New Windsor. And what we experienced those first two years, there was a division between our black students and our white students on the football team. Not everyone, but there were some leaders. There was some some real boisterous dissent. And it was something that was discouraging. And it was something that I tried my best to quell. Um, but I definitely believe it was a major issue in our inability to come together as a football program. As we fought our way through those first two years, in that first year I talked about in the last episode, uh, that first week of that first season as the head football coach, I dealt with a lot of media scrutiny from the walkout of our captain, and it was a difficult time, and I recall just struggling to prepare the team to get ready for that first game. It was on the road. It was in Rockland County against the defending state champions. And I just remember that first game, you know, I was really nervous and and I knew that we weren't very good. And I, you know, I scouted, we scouted, my coaching staff, we scouted 
this team the week before, and they were just a powerhouse. They were, they were, um, you know, they were big. They were quick. They were tough. They had a great football tradition. And I remember going out before the game and shaking hands with their head coach. And I remember him saying to me, "Coach, if this ends in a tie, uh, do you want to play overtime?" And I just remember laughing and saying, "Coach, if this ends in a tie, this will be a miracle." And uh, we got blown out. And uh, this, the rest of the season didn't go much better. Um, in our second week of that year, we actually uh, pulled out a, a close ball game against a, a program that, that was uh, not a very good program. Um, and, and they battled us, and we pulled out a win. And, and anyway, the season seemed to last forever. We struggled and um, when the season ended, I was determined to correct it. Um, we worked hard in that off season, and we did improve tremendously uh, in the next season. But we still had a lot of issues, a uh, lot of lot of issues as far as uh, our discipline, our behavior in school, um, our uh, our ability to come together as a program. We uh, we were very competitive that second year. We we uh, ended up two and seven. Uh, we lost five ball games by a touchdown or less. And uh, I remember one one game that I believe turned turned our program around in terms of learning uh, what it takes to win. Um, sometimes you can learn what it takes to win in a loss. We were ahead 17 to, to nothing against a, a pretty good program from North Rockland. And um, back during those days, we played a lot of teams from North Rockland. And uh, they were a very good football section. And uh, we were winning 17 nothing, and uh, we let it get away. But I remember riding home on the bus and feeling dejected, but I also felt inside that, that we were making progress and that we were going to be okay. In final, in terms of my recollection and, and my thoughts about those first two years, I say this to you coaches out there and to, and to any of you who are listening, who are in positions of leadership or are struggling and who are feeling like you're not being successful, I do know that it's more than wins and losses. And I do believe in those first two years, we set the foundation for a program. We set the foundation in that their coach was going to demand that they, that the Students that are players work hard, go to school, be on time, be accountable. And I feel that those first two years, that struggle that we went through, helped us to appreciate where we were about to go and where we were headed. The feelings that I had in those first two years. Again, I was disappointed. It was difficult for me 
to to even be out in the community. Um, I was embarrassed, as I said earlier. I wanted so bad for Newburgh football to come back. And I did everything I can do to get it there. Break down! In our next episode, Turning It Around, we will talk about how the program took off as we headed into that third season as a program. We read it.